Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I'm Pastor Erwin Raphael McManus and just wanted to thank you for listening. In case you didn't know, I just released a new book. It's called The Genius of Jesus, The Man Who Changed Everything. And you can order it today at thegeniusofjesus.com. I remember when I had a 1967 Cougar and it was really fast and I was still a teenager. So I thought speed limits were just recommendations for old people. I might have done a little bit of street racing back then. And one time I took a turn and hit a curve. And I thought I survived it, but the next day my car was just shaking everywhere. And I had really not studied that much about cars other than how to make them go fast and how to brake before you hit something else. And, and quickly I discovered that my car had an alignment and it had been misaligned, gone out of alignment because of the unexpected, difficult blow that I directed it straight into. I made the choice and didn't realize that the outcome would be a terrible misalignment of the infrastructure of my car. It cost me so much more than I could have imagined. But years later, I was playing some one-on-one -on -one basketball with David Arcos, who were just playing out in Alhambra having some fun. And I was almost 35 years old and I could still dunk a basketball because my body was still capable of that. Until I went up for just a little, just playful dunk and David decided to just step right under me and when I came down I landed flat-footed and I felt something jar in my back and for the next year I could not stand up straight because one of my best friends decided to cripple me permanently <laughs> so that he could win at one-on-one -on -one, which wasn't going to happen anyway even with the injury and and I, I spent the next year of my life discovering that the human body can be out of alignment. And that misalignment of my back began to damage my knees and my ankles and my hips and every injury I have to this day, I blame on David Arcos. <laughs> and a huge part of my own physical rehabilitation throughout my life, and Kim doesn't like when I say, hey honey, I'm going to rehab. She goes, don't say that out loud. It sounds like you're going to a 12-step program or you're, you're, you're an addict. And I said, I am. I'm addicted to pain. And so I go to rehab a lot. And they're always really mostly trying to realign my body, trying to get me back in alignment. And, and to me, it's fascinating that if you have a car, it will actually tell you when it's out of alignment. And if you have a, a body, it will actually tell you when it's out of alignment but we don't seem to know the symptoms of when our souls are out of alignment. In, in fact, what I find to be really fascinating is that when we're out of alignment with God and we're out of alignment with our intention, we tend to blame it on everything else. It would be almost as if my car was shaking and I blamed it on the gas. Or my body was in extraordinary pain and I somehow I, I blamed it on the contour of the earth rather than looking to where the problem began and trying to evaluate how I felt out of alignment, how to get myself back into alignment. That's what I want to talk about just for a few moments. How to determine whether you are in alignment with the God who created you and the life he created you to live. To recognize some of the symptoms, there are so many more than what we can talk about. Sometimes the symptoms are just really obvious when you struggle with 
depression, when you are overwhelmed with stress and anxiety, when you find yourself falling into despair, when, when your life is directed toward things that actually do not bring you meaning and satisfaction, when your goals are out of alignment, you can know your soul is out of alignment. But what actually gives me hope when I look at the scriptures is that the, the story of God with humanity is not the story of people who were in alignment with God. And so God said, oh, there you are. You're, you're aligned with me, so now let's go do something. The story of God is really God confronting people, encountering people who were so out of alignment with him. And then God helping them recognize that their lives are not in alignment with him and then helping them move toward alignment with him. And sometimes God is that chiropractor that moves us in a way we do not want to move. And at first, it's a little terrifying, uncomfortable. And then when we hear it, when we hear the sound of that alignment, everything changes for us. There's this one moment in Acts chapter 7 when a man named Stephen has been transformed by the life of Jesus, and he begins to give his one and only message about the Jesus he has met. It's his one and only message because right after they kill him, they stone him to death. But in his message, he goes all the way back in history to talk about Moses. And you have to understand that Moses was an iconic figure to the people of Israel. If you want to understand how God works in history, they would go back to Moses. They would go back to Abraham. They would go back to Joseph because they understood that in the story of God and man, of God and humanity, that they would discover how God meets them in their story. So in Acts chapter 7, beginning of verse 29, Stephen tells us this story about Moses. He says, when Moses heard this, he ran away to live in the country of Midian. His two sons were born there. Forty years later, an angel appeared to Moses from a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. Moses was surprised by what he saw. He went closer to get a better look, and the Lord said, I am the God who was worshipped by your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses started shaking all over and didn't dare to look at the bush. The Lord said to him, take off your sandals, because the place where you're standing is holy. With my own eyes, I have seen the suffering of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now I'm sending you back to Egypt. Stephen goes on to add this footnote. This was the same Moses that the people rejected by saying, Who made you our leader and judge? God's angel had spoken to Moses from the bush, and God had even sent the angel to help Moses rescue the people and be their leader. In Egypt and at the Red Sea and at the desert, Moses rescued the people by working miracles and wonders for 40 years. Now the story of Moses is the kind of story that all of us can find ourselves in. But in some ways, it is actually a story that brings the most hope to the person who feels most hopeless. Because there are have you ever met some people that just seem to always make the right choices? And it's kind of frustrating, right? Because you're really happy for them, but you're not. 
But it's hard to learn from someone who never messes up. It's hard to learn from someone who never makes mistakes. It's hard to learn from someone who's nothing like you because they seem to almost be on the edge of perfection. And what I, I really appreciate about God is he doesn't give us those kinds of people. And there's a real specific reason for that is because those kinds of people do not exist. See, the people who look purpose are simply better at hiding their imperfection. And God does not want to make that the model for our lives. See, God does not want to make the model for our lives the person who spends all their energy trying to be seen as someone they're not. God wants to give us an example of people who basically come to the end of themselves and lose their capacity to hide all their brokenness, to hide all their imperfection, to hide all their fears. And they finally just open up, and it's in that transparency that God meets them. And so the story that we pick up here, it says, when Moses heard this, we don't even know what he heard because we're just picking it up here. But what we do know is that Moses was an Israelite. He was a Jew. That Pharaoh was killing all the young Hebrew boys. That His parents put him in a river so that perhaps he might live. I mean, that's pretty desperate when your parents go. The only chance he has is if he doesn't drown and get eaten by crocodiles. And he floats down as life would have it to the house of Pharaoh's daughter, you cannot tell me that life is a series of accidents. And so somehow Moses happens to land on the shore of Pharaoh's family. Pharaoh's daughter wants to raise him as her own. So now he becomes the son of Pharaoh for the first 40 years. He's an Egyptian. And then he rediscovers his identity as a Hebrew and he kills an Egyptian shoulder. He hides it. He thinks no one knows. And the next day he's found out. And when he realizes that he could not hide his worst decision. He runs for his life. And I always think it's interesting how some people try to explain that Moses kills the Egyptian and it's in God's intention for his life. It's not. In fact, it lets you know, it lets you know how broken Moses was. Moses had such a distorted moral compass that he thought killing an Egyptian would be exactly what God would want him to do and would reveal to everyone else he was supposed to be their leader. And one of the great dangers in life is to actually think you're working on God's behalf when you are not reflecting God's character. And so Moses realizes that what he thought he did in the dark had been brought to the light. He runs for his life. It's such a summary of the next 40 years of his life. When Moses heard this, he ran away to live in the country of Midian. Now, I do not know much about Midian. How about you? All I know about Midian is that Midian is not where Moses was supposed to be. And so even though I may not know much about Midian, I think most of us have actually lived in Midian. Because we spent much of our lives living where we should not be. He ran away to live in the country of Midian. His two sons were born there. That's the summary of his life. Forty years later. That's the summary of Moses' 40 years because when you are misaligned with God, the summary of what God wants to tell about your story can be wrapped up in a sentence. How can you know if you're out of alignment when the faster you run, the further you go from where God intended you to be? Moses ran for his life, and the faster he ran, the further he went from where God wanted him to be. I think it's interesting that 
One of the big words in our culture, and there's conflict around it, is the word hustle. There's almost like two schools right now. There's one school, if you want to make it, you've got to hustle. If you want to succeed, you better hustle. If you want to achieve your dreams, you better hustle. And there's this other school, hustle is wrong. You need to chill, you need to rest. You need to be, you need to experience. You need to be broke. <laughs> you know, you need to just let it come. And what I think is interesting is that neither answer is actually the right answer. So you're not supposed to just be passive in life hoping that good things will happen to you. Have you ever noticed that when you wait around for something good to happen to you, it never happens? I don't know who said good things happen to those who wait. That's a person trying to get you to wait so the good things can happen to them. But the problem with hustle is that if you're hustling for the wrong things, you're not going to get the things you desperately need to get. You're not even going to get the things you're supposed to get. Because for a lot of people, hustle is about moving fast, working hard, getting it done, doing it yourself. Don't depend on anyone. Don't depend on God. But the problem with hustle without intention is that you're going to run faster and faster away from where you should be. So you can know you're out of alignment when the faster you go, the further you get. So maybe you're here right now and you've had some small measure of success. And yet you still feel as if you're not where you're supposed to be in your life. In fact, if you have had success upon success, and then you feel emptier, this is a really good indicator that you're out of alignment. Because one of the great dangers is that success is our way of masking emptiness. Success, when you have meaning, is a wonderful thing. Success, when you are meaningless, makes you desperate. Because when you obtain everything everyone told you will make your life meaningful, will give you a sense of fulfillment, will leave you satisfied. When you obtain even just a small amount of what you thought your soul was longing for, and it's not at all what you need, not at all what your soul has craved, that's when you start getting more desperate. Moses was 40 years old when he ran for his life and he ran for the next 40 years of his life, and he ran through what would be a metaphor of life. He was wandering through a wasteland, through a desert. And when Moses heard this, he ran away. Is that the secret epitaph that will mark your life? See, I think one of the great challenges and one of the great dangers is to let other people convince you that your only option is to run. I mean, we live in this intense cancel culture, in, in this really dysfunctional culture where we want to find you in your worst moment. We want to prove what you're not and define you by your worst moment. And so if you're not careful, you can live your entire life running and running and running. And when you're running out of fear, you're not going in the right direction. And so right now, I want you to just take a moment and ask yourself, when I'm going 100 miles an hour, when I'm moving in the direction that I'm committed to, am I actually getting closer to my relationship with God? Or am I moving further away? 
Moses ran and he left the presence of God. Now God chased him into the desert. That's what the next part of the story is all about. One of the amazing things about God is that he's faster than you. I remember years and years ago when Kim and I were in South Dallas, I went outside, we were in this little community, and there was this little girl named Myra, she was four years old. Her mom was a, a double amputee who lived in a wheelchair. And this little girl did not want to go home, and so she, she just kept running. And there was these other ladies, and they were not athletic. And they were trying to capture her, and they could not catch her. She was just laughing, and I'm not going home, and she only spoke Spanish. And I went outside, and said, what's going on? And all these ladies were so frustrated. Myra won't come, Myra won't come. And, and they were, I was watching them trying to catch her like a greased chicken. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like impossible to catch her. And, and so finally I said, I got this. And I remember walking down the sidewalk. She was kind of far from me, but kind of close. And, and I introduced myself in Spanish. I said, Myra, I'm ruined. And, and I said, Myra, I'm faster than you. And I'm bigger than you. And if I choose to, I will catch you. But if I catch you, you're going to be in trouble. But if you'll just come to me right now, I'll make sure your mom won't punish you. The choice is yours. She thought about it. She was a really smart little girl. And then she just walked to me. That was our first time meeting. I picked her up. And she became my best little buddy. I remember walking her back to her mom. They lived in our home for a year after that. See, I, I think sometimes we think we're faster than God. You're trying to outrun your problems, but you're never going to outrun God. And that's where the insane things in life is that we're running so hard in the wrong direction. And then we think, oh, no, I'm so far away from God. But it's not that you're far away from God. It's that you cannot even perceive the closeness of God in your life. It says for, for 40 years later, then 40 years later, Moses is wandering this desert the whole time, running and running and running. And maybe inside of himself, he actually wandered as far away from God as he could. But 40 years later, an angel appeared to Moses from a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. Moses was surprised by what he saw. I love this translation. He sees a burning bush in the middle of the desert, and he's surprised by what he saw. And he went closer to get a better look, which lets us know that Moses was a very curious person. And the Lord said, I am the God who worshipped your ancestors, was worshipped by your ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Moses started shaking all over and didn't dare to look at the bush. So you can know you're out of alignment when the faster you run, the further you go. The harder you work, the emptier you are. But you can also know you're out of alignment when God is only in the interruptions of your life, not the intention of your life. See, what surprises most about this moment is that God was an interruption in Moses' life. It wasn't Moses' pattern to have a conversation with God. Eighty years have gone by, and God is a stranger to Moses. So when Moses sees this burning bush, this was God's way of capturing Moses' attention. This was God's way of interrupting Moses so he could get Moses' attention. But what really strikes me is that this moment becomes unexpected. 
impacted because Moses did not want to be encountered by God. But God refused to let Moses' indifference determine God's intention toward him. Here's the crazy thing, is that you may not have any desire for God to meet you, but God has so much desire to meet you. And you ever had a meeting and the person just didn't show up? Drives me crazy. I've had meetings like that. Or I set up a meeting, the person doesn't even show up. They don't even bother to let you know they're not coming. And the older I've gotten, it's pretty much, if you make a meeting and you don't show up and you don't tell me that you're not showing up, we're not having a second meeting. It's just that simple. When I was younger, I would try it again. And I'd do it again. And then I realized, oh, there's a recurring pattern here. I am meeting with myself. And I would rather meet with myself somewhere else. See, I think many of us do not realize that God has set an endless number of appointments with you. And you didn't show up. And how many times in our lives did God go, I'm waiting for you, and you just don't show up? And in fact, every morning of your life, when you wake up, God is there waiting, going, I'm waiting to have a conversation with you. And you have to decide, do I show up? But the longer you wait, the more you avoid God, the more you choose a life that goes around God's intention and God's presence, it's almost as if there has to come a certain point where God has to interrupt you by surprise. And when God is only in your interruptions, you are not living in your intention. And which is, I think, so interesting that when we're desperate, we expect God to show up, right? When we really need help, that's when we pray. We go, God, show up. But here's the crazy thing about it. See, when you're desperate and you're asking God to show up, but you have not been showing up for God, you don't even know where to look. So God didn't show up. It wasn't that he didn't show up. You don't even know where God was. It's been so long since the last time you recognized where you saw him. It's like losing things. I lose things all the time. How about you? It, it drives me crazy. And sometimes I lose them because someone else moved them. Someone I love that will go nameless. And because maybe one out of every 10 times, I may lose it because she moved it, the other nine times, I go, where'd you put it? And so I actually might jump, I'm not saying I do this, but I might actually jump from assuming I lost it to assuming she moved it. <laughs> See, I, I think that's the way most of us are with God. We, 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 we assume that somehow God moved the location. That something's lost because God did something. God let me down. God didn't come through. God didn't answer my prayers. God didn't show up. And what you need to realize is that it was actually never God who misplaced the relationship with you. It's always us. And I, I, I pay attention because... When God is in the interruptions, it means I'm not in alignment. And I remember when, when Mariah was a little girl, I would come home so tired. I would be exhausted from work. 
And I would sit down and my eyes would just start to close. You ever have those days where you're just so tired you can't even stay awake? And Mariah was probably just five years old. And she'd come over to me and she would put her hands on my eyelids and open my eyes. And she goes, Daddy, you don't have to go to sleep right now. Daddy, you don't have to close your eyes. Daddy, and I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> and, and, and she started doing that. And the more she did, Daddy, you don't have to close your eyes. And all of a sudden, one day I realized, oh, I need to open my eyes. I'm not showing up. And if I'm only there for my daughter in the interruptions, then I'm, I shouldn't be surprised when, when she grows up that she's not going to be there for the relationship. See, be careful that God only becomes the God of interruptions in your life. That you just interrupt him when you're desperate. And he has to interrupt you when you're desperate. Rather than going, God, I want you to be a part, the essence, the center of all my intention. I want everything else in life to be the interruption. I want you to be the story of my life. It's so strange that God has to introduce himself. I am the God who was worshipped by your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, Moses, I'm the God you were supposed to know. Let me introduce myself to you afresh. And Moses started shaking all over, did not dare to look at the bush. Then he goes on to say, and then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, because the place where you are standing is holy. With my own eyes, I have seen the suffering of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans, and, they have come, and I have come down to rescue them. This is, to me, one of the most fascinating interactions between God and a human being. He says to Moses, take off your sandals, because the place you're standing is holy. Except Moses has stepped on this ground a thousand times. This is just desert. It's just sand. It's just dirt. It's lifeless. It wasn't holy yesterday. Or maybe it was, but Moses couldn't recognize it. See, what's amazing is that every place you're standing is holy. You just don't identify or recognize it as holy until you understand that God is present. And so when God says to Moses, Moses, take off your sandals. The ground on which you're standing is holy. He's actually telling him, Moses, I take all the common spaces and make them sacred when I'm present with you. And you're present with me. So Moses takes off his sandals, and, and then God tells him what he is experiencing. I mean, have you ever thought about God experiencing things? I mean, do you ever go to God? You always go, oh, God, you know, I'm having a hard day. God, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm afraid about this. Or God, could you help me with this? Do you ever go to God and go, how's your day? Right? You, don't, you don't do that to God because he's God, right? You know, how, how, how are you doing today? Is it a good one? Are you, are you, are you, are you caring too much? You know, it's like... We're putting too much on you. We don't really, we have no empathy toward God. We just expect God to care about us without us caring about him at all. But here what we discover is that God actually has deeper empathy and deeper concern than we do. God says, I have seen with my own eyes the suffering of my people. I have heard their groans and I have come down to rescue them. Saying, Moses, I am seeing what you are blind to. I am hearing what you have become deaf toward. But Moses, this is what you should have been seeing, and this is what you should have been hearing. So because you wouldn't see and you wouldn't hear, I had to see and I had to hear. So I'm here to open your eyes and open your ears so you can see what I see and hear what I hear. 
See, you're out of alignment when you can't see the challenge right in front of you. God is shaking Moses into alignment. I remember a few years ago, I was asked to, sometimes I do some script doctoring on scripts, and I was asked to, to look at the script on Moses by a really famous director and writer. And, and when I read the script, I, I sent a note back saying, oh, the writer's an atheist. Said, How do you know that? So I can read it in the script. Is he an atheist? I go, well, yes, he's an atheist. But I said, no, no, it, it, it just, it, it's really super clear because the atheist thinks that God, if he exists, is a bad guy, which is interesting. If you're an atheist, you should be neutral about God. Right? But, but it's amazing how when you're an atheist, you think if God exists, he's evil. And, and Moses was the good guy, and God was the bad guy. So no, you, you need to go back and read the story. God was the good guy. And Moses was the indifferent guy who didn't care about anyone. And I, and I, I remember talking to him on the phone, and I said, do you remember the movie William, uh, Braveheart? And they go, well, of course. I said, you know, there's William Wallace, who's the hero, who shouldn't have been the hero. And there's Robert the Bruce, who was the Lord who should have been the hero, but he was a coward. And Robert the Bruce does nothing when he's the one that should be doing something. And William Wallace gives his life, even though he's the one that shouldn't have been doing it. And it's actually only when William Wallace, in all of his passion, actually transformed the heart of Robert the Bruce. I said, you're getting confused. Moses is Robert the Bruce, and God is William Wallace. See, God's the one who can't take it. God's the one who decides to fight for our freedom. It's God who hears our cries. It's God who sees our suffering. It's God who's not indifferent. It's not humanity who's trying to move God. It's God who's trying to move humanity. When you're out of alignment, you can't see the challenge right in front of you. In fact, when you're out of alignment, you know what the only thing you can see is you. When you're out of alignment, all you can see is your problems, your life, your challenges, your dreams, your fears, your doubts, your pain, your disappointment, your betrayal. When you're out of alignment, all you can see is you. But when you're in alignment with God, what you see is others. And you see their pain. You see their suffering. You hear their cries. And it matters. And let me just wrap up the story. And so God says, now I am sending you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses that when the people rejected by saying, who made you our leader and our judge? God's angel had spoken to Moses from the bush. And God had even sent an angel to help Moses rescue the people and be their leader in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the desert, Moses rescued the people by working miracles and wonders for 40 years. God says to Moses, now I am sending you to Egypt. And you can know you're out of alignment when your fear has defined your direction. And God is saying to Moses, you're out of alignment because the moment you ran, fueled by fear out of Egypt, your life went into disarray. So I'm going to send you back and get you back in alignment. I'm going to send you back where your life became defined by fear and not by faith. And we're going to start there. I put you there so that you could be their leader. I put you there so that you could be a beacon of hope. I put you there so that you could be my voice. I hear people complaining all the time. It's almost as if this world is supposed to give us a perfect life. 
I hate my job. I hate my boss. I, you know, I, I, don't, I hate my apartment. I hate my house. I hate where I live. It, 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 we act as if somehow the world owes us happiness. And one of the interesting things is that, that we've almost lost the narrative. Maybe you're where you're at because God wants you to be there, not because it's easy. See, maybe you're around the people you're around not because they're fun, but because they desperately need you to be a voice of hope. See, maybe you are where you are right now, not because it's the easiest place to be. Because you know, I know it's not easy. Maybe God doesn't want to move you out of that because he wants you to be proof of his presence. Why does everything have to be about, I need to get where God wants me so I can be happy. I, I need to get to be where, I, where God wants me so I can be successful. Maybe it isn't just about you. Moses wasn't going to be convenienced by going back to Egypt. This was not a promotion. This was not an upgrade. This was not the yacht or the airplane or the nice car or the great house. This was God calling Moses to the very life he ran from because it terrified him. And I, I, I just think there's more people whose lives are defined by fear than we want to admit. I, I hear people talk and they, you can hear the betrayal of their own story. I heard someone say, you know, I, as wealthy as I am, I still live in fear of being bankrupt. And I go, if you live in fear of it, you'll never become generous. Because that fear will cause you to hold on to what you have. Fear is never a good human motivator. It always makes you less, not more. And so what... God wants to do is move us back into alignment. This is what he does with Moses. Moses, I am aligning your life with the purpose for which I created you. Do you think it was an accident, Moses, that you happened to be born in Egypt? Do you think it's an accident, Moses, that when your mom and dad put you in that little, little, uh, you know, straw hut, that you went down the river and the crocodiles didn't eat you. Do you think it was an accident that when you went down the river, you just happened to drop over at Pharaoh's house? Do you, do you think it was an accident that Pharaoh's daughter desperately wanted a child? Do you think it was an accident that, his, that the daughter of Pharaoh advocated the Pharaoh to save your life? Do you think it was an accident that little Jewish boy could grow up in Egyptian home and become the son of Pharaoh? Do you think it was an accident that the greatest leader in the world, as evil as he was, Pharaoh, actually became your mentor and taught you how to be a ruler of a nation. Do you think it, this was an accident, Moses? Moses, even your running in the wilderness was not an accident. Moses wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then God calls him to lead Israel out of Egypt through that same wilderness for 40 years. The only person with the experience to survive that journey was Moses. See, you are in alignment when you step into your assignment. And you realize, oh, that's the only way to be aligned with God. Because God never calls you to a spiritual jacuzzi. Oh, so good, so good, so good, God. Just love my life, love you. Just want to worship you. God calls you into the rapids to save the drowning. 
And when God sent Moses back to Egypt and then led him to lead a nation out of Egypt and wander in the wilderness for 40 years, Moses is like, I've done this. I did it all for the wrong reasons, but God has turned all that I did out of my own fear to now the very, very material from which I will lead you by faith. And I wonder if your soul is in pain because you're out of alignment with God. And the symptoms, again, are fear. The symptoms are doubt. The symptoms is, are when you feel worthless, when you feel insignificant, when you wonder if anyone will ever love you. See, the symptoms are the sense that you're not worthy of love. The symptoms are you're not talented enough, you're not gifted enough, you're not good enough. The symptoms will crush your soul. And you'll think it's, it's, it's because of all these psychological, cultural, relational circumstances, but it's not. It's that your soul is out of alignment with God. If you'll get in alignment with the God who created you, God does not have to make your circumstances easier. Because when you're in alignment, you can take anything. And you can move forward with force and strength and power. And by the way, that's why Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He came because all of humanity was out of alignment with God. Can you see it? All the violence around us, the poverty, the injustice, war after war, devastation after devastation, Everything that we look at our society and we think, what is going on in our world? That's humanity out of alignment with God. See, when God aligns us, he fills us with peace. When God aligns us, he fills us with hope. When God aligns us, he fills us with love. When God aligns us, he fills us with life. You do not need something to cure the symptom. You need what will actually cure the soul. And that's being aligned with God who created you, which is why Jesus came. When you give your life to Jesus, God realigns you in your relationship to him and puts you back on the path of your calling and intention. Would you just bow your heads with me just for a moment? Just close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here in this moment and you know your soul is out of alignment with God, you didn't understand that that's what was going on, but you're, you've been shaking inside. There's been pain in your soul. You've been overwhelmed with fear and anxiety. You've been overwhelmed with feelings of insignificance. You've wondered if you could ever be truly loved. You wonder if you really matter. That's your soul telling you you're not in alignment. And right now, I want to invite you to do the one thing that will get your soul in alignment with God, and that's putting your life in the hands of Jesus, trusting him with your life, letting him forgive you of your sin, and setting you free to live the future that only God can imagine for you. So right now, if you're ready to receive Jesus in your life, if you're ready to trust God with your life, if you're ready to cross the line of faith, would you just pray this simple prayer? Jesus, 
I give you my life. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If this is your prayer, if today you are coming into alignment with God by giving your life to Jesus, I want to pray for you. If you just whispered this prayer, Jesus, I give you my life, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise it up high. I want to pray for you. Right now, beautiful. Anyone else? Wonderful. Anyone? The balcony. Jesus, I give you my life. Beautiful. Father, I thank you for these individuals who in this moment have opened up their lives to you. I pray, God, that they would sense the overwhelming presence of you in their life. That you would wrap them up in your love and let them know they belong to you. That you'll never leave them or abandon them. I pray that today would be the beginning of their soul's realignment to you. That they would step into your intention. They would hear your calling and accept your assignment for their life. I thank you, God, you always call us to things bigger than us. You call us to a life that we cannot live without you. You call us to a challenge so big we will fail without you. So Jesus, we put our lives in your hands and we pray in your name, amen. Can we just thank God so much for those who would respond to him? And I just want to remind you that it's so easy in life to go, oh, it's my job. Oh, it's post-pandemic stress. It's looked a lot like pre-pandemic stress. Oh, it's my marriage. Oh, it's my stage of life. Oh, it's my finances. Those, you know what those things are? They're called real life. That's what they are. And those things will never go away because you're always gonna have challenges. You're always gonna have circumstances that you will have to rise up to. You have no control over what comes at you, but you have complete control of what happens within you. And if you'll align your life with Jesus, you will find the strength, the resilience, the courage to step into every circumstance and walk your way through. Hey, love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible and creates life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading this message around the world by going to mosaic.org slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.